Welcome to the Mind Over Matter podcast with Heather Hakes, where mindset is everything. Thank you for joining me for today's episode. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe and share this episode with your friends. This podcast was created to help open your awareness to the truth of who you are, a limitless being. You are worthy and deserving of an abundant and prosperous life. It's time to peel back the false beliefs and remember who you are, light and love. For additional resources or to contact me directly, please visit my website, heatherhakes.com. Again, that's heatherhakes.com. Without further ado, let's dive into today's episode. Welcome to episode number 339. Today, you're going to learn some stress techniques and the power of tapping. Welcome to today's interview. I brought on Dr. Katie Nall. Dr. Katie, welcome. Thank you so much, Heather. I'm so excited to be able to have this conversation with you today on this gorgeous day. Yes, me too. Um, I'd love for you to start out, give the listeners a little background. Where do you live and what do you do? I live in Vero Beach, Florida with my husband of almost 48 years. We accidentally got married and I kept asking for a divorce. He does not cooperate. We are the parents of three perfect children. They became perfect once they all moved out of the house. And I'm Gumi for the five legal, and I call them legal because the first letter of their names spell out the word legal, adorable granddaughters. What I do is I'm a Florida mathematician who shows others how to dissolve their waffles, dissolve their worries, anxiety, fear, frustration, lethargy, exhaustion, and stress. Yes, we can definitely get into the waffles. And the big thing I want to talk about today, which I know we can all relate to, and we've already talked about a little bit, but 2020, sure, we can keep going back to that, but not even just that year alone. Most of society is functioning at high levels of stress. We've conditioned Mm -hmm. ourselves to stay in the stress mode, which leads to disease and anxiety and fear and Mm -hmm. well, your waffles. Mm-hmm. So I would love for you to kind of just deep dive, you know, the difference between our conscious and subconscious minds and, and what the stress is all about and how we can, well, maybe not eliminate, but definitely just like to calm ourselves. So Heather, you bring up a really important point and you're right. 80% of medical visits are stress related. So deaths, illnesses, all of those things can be avoided once we learn how to manage our stress. The stress comes from a disconnect between our our prefrontal cortex, our thinking mind, what we think we have control over, and what actually is taking control, which is our subconscious or our, um, our amygdala, our lizard brain. Our lizard brain was put there to keep us alive, to keep us survival. Now, why is there a disconnect there? Um, The best example I can tell you, Heather, is that if where we are right now, if it turned, if it started on fire, you and I would both know to get the heck out and call 911. If we were 15 years old and in the same room, we'd probably do the same thing. If we were 10 years old, we would probably know to get out. If we were five years old and the place caught on fire, we might know to leave. If we were five months old and we were laying on the floor and the place came on fire, we wouldn't have any idea what was going on until we were rescued. As we were growing up, things have happened to us that 
we had responses to that were based on survival. And what happened is our amygdala has recorded every one of those situations. We may have been in a room where we had some traumatic thing and, and it may not have been traumatic to the other person that was in the room, but to us, it appeared traumatic. And in that room, there may have been on the corner, a red trash can. And when you walk into another room and you walk into the room and you feel uncomfortable and you don't know why, and you don't even notice that in the corner, there's a red trash can, but your amygdala notices it and is sensing to you that this is a possible danger. Our amygdala doesn't understand that we gain skills as we are growing older, hopefully. <laughs> and as we're growing older and gaining skills, we are learning more survival skills beyond what our amygdala can control. Pardon the interruption. If this content is resonating with you, I want to offer you some additional resources. Check out my website, heatherhakes.com and take the free life assessment. This is a great tool to take inventory in life where you're feeling in alignment and abundant and where you're simply feeling stuck, stressed out, or as someone recently emailed me, completely ruining their life. I've also created a self-study course all about mindset and manifesting. Again, check out my website, heatherhakes.com and click on course. Finally, if you are ready to deep dive and really transform your life, I offer one-on-one -on -one coaching. I will teach you what has taken me years and tens of thousands of dollars to learn in which you can start implementing right now. To learn more and schedule your free strategy call, visit heatherhakes.com forward slash coaching. Now back to regular programming. As we learn more skills, we can walk into a room with a red trash can in the corner, look at it and say, I'm not in danger here, but our amygdala still thinks we are. That's why I work with dissolving waffles because there are times in our lives where we're feeling stress and we don't even know why. And that is the difference between our prefrontal cortex, our thinking brain that sets goals and says, we're going to be doing this and this is what I'm gonna do. And you know, I'm gonna quit eating sweets. And I say that after I've had three Snickers bars and I know I'm not supposed to be eating sweets, but I still do it. Why is that? Why do I self-sabotage all the time? Well, I self-sabotage because maybe I was four or five years old and there was something I wanted and it was taken away from me. Maybe for my own good, for my, a reason that was good for me, but at the time it felt like somebody was taking something away from me that I really wanted. And so now when I think, oh, I'm thinking I might, want something sweet to eat, that amygdala tricks in and says, you know what? You deserve it. That was taken away from you when you were four or five. So you go get it. And so there are reasons why we self-sabotage. There are reasons why we have this disconnect between the different parts of our brain. And what I do is help people get things aligned so that when we say there are goals that we want to meet, that we reassure our amygdala and say, yes, I'm, I'm, not, in a, I'm not in a, a stressful situation right now. I can move forward. Does that help explain what I do? <laughs> well, yeah. And, you know, I, I have so many questions. One thing you touch on in the beginning is this whole fight or flight. So there yes. is a part of the brain that that is there for safety and to help yes. us. Mm -hmm. But I, what I understand from what I have studied in these different brain science is that 
we are now living in fight or flight mm-hmm. and that constant uh, anxiety internally creates the stress. And, and kind of what you touched on is we all have past experiences and a lot of people, especially subconsciously, right, don't understand that they are attached to these past stories, mm-hmm. but it's those that create the trapped trauma and energy mm-hmm. in the body, which leads to, you know, the chronic pain and chronic mm-hmm. illness and all these disease. And so something you touched on is EFT or tapping. That's one way mm-hmm. to release. Is it a self-soothing to like let this old memory go? It's actually more than that. It's okay. a way to uh, eliminate that that fear, that frustration. Um, if you're up for it, uh, I'd love to do a round with you and have you experienced it. Have you experienced tapping before? Well, I mean, I, I've definitely watched it many times. I have, I have done it. But um, before we get started, though, do you have to? Because here's what um, you know. These are my own judgments. Okay. About like therapy and stuff to go back to the earliest memory and like to go reset mm-hmm. in it. I don't find healing in that rather than you know, to release those, those not like spiritual bypassing, but I don't feel the need to go dig up old wounds. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. With EFT, do you have to go back to a, I guess you're going to walk me through, but do you have to go back (laughs) to a specific time or we're just releasing whatever we might not even know? So a couple of things that I'd like to address in your question, Heather, first of all, is a great question. Um, One thing that I will be very, um, candid here. And that is that for four years, every week, I saw a counselor to dig up old stuff and release it. At the end of four years, I felt such relief. And I told other members of my family who were not going through counseling, that it was probably a good idea, because it's one of those things that I didn't realize how much it was affecting my life until after I'd crossed that bridge and got on the other side and looked back and said, wow, I'm in a much better spot now than I am before. Yeah. Statistical studies that have done been done all over the world, though, have shown that when they compare cognitive behavior therapy, talk therapy, to something called EMDR, eye movement desensitization reprocessing, and EFT or tapping, emotional freedom technique, and they found among the three that the uh, EMDR and the EFT are more effective. In fact, when I left my counselor on the last time, as I walked out the door, He said, now, I want to let you know, Katie, that, you know, your responses may come back depending on the situation. I was like, but wait a minute, I thought we'd cleared all that. And with EMDR and EFT, they found that once you clear all aspects of a situation, it's gone. That emotional hold is gone. The other thing I want to point out, and this, this kind of blew my mind, is somebody pointed out that when my grandmother was pregnant, with my mother, that the fetus that she had in her of of my mother had the eggs that my mother was going to have right there. So during my grandmother's pregnancy, my mother's eggs were affected by all the experiences and the emotions that my grandmother felt. Then when my mother was born, her eggs, um, my DNA was marked with every experience she had until I was born. So I have some fears, I have some traumas, I have some things that don't make any sense. And it could be from my DNA that's marked from experiences from my mother or my grandmother or even further back. Mm -hmm. 
And so there may be things that you go, this doesn't make any sense at all. I have no idea why I have a fear of heights. I've never fallen off of something. But maybe somebody else earlier on had that fear. And that actually gets us into quantum kind of stuff, uh, which yeah. I've had done some really interesting uh, work with. Well, and the note on that is, you know, I've heard it called generational trauma. Right. And I think the important part of that is to know that we are all connected. There isn't separation. So whether Mm -hmm. it's, you know, generational or whatever, that we're all this one unified energy Mm -hmm. in these different bodies. But okay, so you want to do the EFT? Let's do this. (laughs) You want to do this? Okay. Um, So I'm going to ask you a whole bunch of questions. Okay. Okay. So um, first of all, can you think, and here's the thing that's crazy about this, Heather, is that if you'd like to explain what it is that's causing you waffles, you can, or you can just say that incident. So you can make it as public or private as you like. So I want you to think about something that's causing you stress. Okay. If you'd like to share it, that's fine. You don't have to. What I am going to ask you is what emotion does that stressful situation trigger in you? Is it Is it worry, anxiety, fear, frustration, lethargy, exhaustion, stress? Could be anger, rage, overwhelm. What is it? I will be completely transparent because I think that is important. So yes, as you ask, I will, I will tell. Okay. So what is it? Uh, The topic of what I'm Mm -hmm. from, I will say relationships, Okay. romantic relationships, romantic relationship. And when you think about the romantic relationship, the most recent negative experience that you had with a romantic relationship, what emotion, negative emotions coming up? Frustration and anger. Frustration and anger. And which is stronger, frustration or anger? Frustration. Frustration. And from zero to 10, where zero is like, oh, no big deal, it'll all settle out. And 10 is the most frustrated you've been in your entire life. Where is it? Well, uh, six. Six. Okay. And from the top of your body to the bottom of your souls, where do you feel that frustration about the last negative encounter you've had with a romantic relationship? Where do you feel it in your body? Do you know, it doesn't tend to be, it doesn't tend to matter what the topic is. I always, it's always in my chest. It's always very tight, shallow breathing, tight, shallow breathing. Okay. And what color is the frustration that's in your chest that causes tight, shallow breathing? I guess I'm seeing blue right now. I don't know if it's your shirt, but it's blue. It's blue. It's blue. Um, And is this a true statement right here, right now? I feel safe. True. Okay. Everything I'm going to ask you to repeat, we're going to do it once without words. And then when we do it with words, I'm going to ask you to repeat words after me. But all the words have got to be true for you, Heather. So if I say something and you go, you know that wasn't really true for me, or I would have said it a different way, or I would have used a different word. Will you rephrase it in your own words? Mm -hmm. Okay, great. So first of all, we're going to do it uh, just because the listening audience or watching audience may not have seen this before. So we'll do just the hand places so that they know where we're going to tap. We're going to start on the side of the hand between the wrist and the little finger, and you can use either hand, it doesn't matter. And you're going to tap right there. And you're going to think about that last negative interaction with the romantic uh, relationship and how frustrated it makes you feel in your chest. And just think about it. And then the next spot we're going to do is right on the crown of the head. And you can use one hand or the other, or you can do the monkey move and do both. It doesn't matter. (laughs) 
and tap right there. And the next spot, I'm going to warn you, I'm going to do a close-up so you can see it right away, but it's going to be on the edge of our eyebrows, right above our nose. So it's going to be right there. Very good, right there. And we're thinking about the negative interaction with the romantic partner. And then next place is going to be between the edge of your eye and your eyebrow. And again, you can use one hand or the other or both. Yeah, I took my glasses off so you could see better. <laughs> and then the next spot is under the eye. That's where I keep all my bags. And then we go under the nose, above the lip. And we're thinking about that negative frustration we feel and how it's tightening in our chest. And then under the lips above the chin, tap right there. And then the next spot, Heather, I'd like you to cross your arms at your wrists and go right on your collarbone. This actually covers a few points by going this way. And then our last spot is gonna be about four inches under our arm. So we're gonna go down and give our ribs a good pat. You can do again, one hand or the other, or you can give yourself a hug and do both, or you can go at the side, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter. And then I always have my clients blow all their air out because 70% of our toxins come out, not as you might expect, but through our breath. So I'd like you to do this and do a cartoonish like fashion. It looks like this. This is fun to do. Yeah. <laughs> so when you think about the negative frustration, uh, when you think about romantic relations from zero to six, is it still at about a six? Yes. Okay, so, and we've got that blue in our in our chest. So now we're gonna add words. And again, I'd like you to uh, repeat different words if they're different. We're gonna start on the side of the hand and say, even though. Even though. When I think about the last time that I was so frustrated with the romantic relationship. When I think about yesterday, when I was so frustrated with a romantic relationship. And I feel this blue frustration in my chest. And I feel this blue frustration in my chest. With all the shallow breathing. With all the shallow breathing. Right here, right now, I feel safe anyway. Right here, right now, I feel safe anyway. We're going to repeat versions of that two more times, even though. Even though. There's this blue frustration in my chest. There's this blue frustration in my chest. When I think about yesterday. When I think about yesterday. And the frustration with my romantic partner. And the frustration with the romantic partner. Right here, right now, I feel safe anyway. Right here, right now, I feel safe anyway. Even though. Even though. I remember how frustrated I was yesterday. I remember how frustrated I was yesterday. And how frustrated I still am just thinking about it. And how frustrated and triggered I still feel. Because it's blue in my chest. Because it's blue in my chest. Right here, right now, I feel safe anyway. Right here, right now, I feel safe anyway. And then top of your head. This blue frustration in my chest. This blue frustration in my chest. On the edge of your eyebrow, right above your nose. This blue frustration in my chest. This blue frustration in my chest. On the side of the eye, this blue frustration in my chest. This blue frustration in my chest. And then under the uh, eye, this blue frustration in my chest. This blue frustration in my chest. Under the nose, this blue frustration in my chest. This blue frustration in my chest. Under the lips, this blue frustration in my chest. This blue frustration in my chest. Cross your wrist. So much blue frustration in my chest. So much blue frustration in my chest. And then whack on the ribs there. This blue frustration in my chest. This blue frustration in my chest. Now we're gonna blow it all out like a cartoon character. You ready? 
Do you know, I felt a huge release where I think it was uh, at my eyebrow. And then as we continued and I want listeners to know, we did not talk about this beforehand. I did not know we were going to do that. <laughs> and I've done EFT before and it, it really is. It's a release, but I have a question for you. Is it the importance of saying, but I feel safe right here, right now? Is that kind of this, what is the, why these points? So first of all, why these points? Um, a, a gentleman by the name of Gary Craig is a uh, was an electrical engineer from Stanford University, and he was observing what um, psychologists and psychiatrists and chiropractors were doing with traditional Chinese medicine meridians. And as an electrical engineer, he saw the meridians like electrical circuits, and he said, "You know what? If we touch on a few of these points." throughout our body, we're hitting like 98% of the circuits. So he created this shortcut version. And there are many other aspects of tapping. There's places on your hands, there's high movements. So there's much more to it. What we did is what's called the basic recipe. Um, and so the points are aligned with um, uh, traditional Chinese medicine meridians. So that's the first thing. The words, and they have done clinical studies and they found that tapping by itself can make improvements, but when you add the words, that's the superpower. A lot of my clients are like, Katie, I don't wanna be negative. I wanna be positive. I'm like, yeah, you should be positive. But here's the thing, we get negative stuff that we stuff down all day, every day. And if we don't release the negative, there's no place to put the positive. The first time I tried my first volunteer was my husband. I sat him down on the couch and I said, okay, honey, sit down here. I want, I want you to tell me, you know, all your negative. And he kind of side-eyed me and he's like, this is a trap, right? I mean, you've been telling me to be positive all my life. And I'm like, I know, I know. But you know what? That positive thing, it wasn't working. So we're going to try this other thing. Well, he was most reluctant, Heather, but we finally got through yeah. it. And it was pretty funny because for weeks he had been complaining about this client, about this vendor, about this thing and, and one another. And we got off finished tapping. He was like, well, that was a waste of time. And I'm like, yeah, sure. Okay. So he came home the next day. I said, so what about that really troublesome client? Oh, I took care of him. I said, oh, that's good. I said, well, what about that vendor you were having problems with? He said, made a phone call, took care of the whole thing. So I kept asking him about all the things that he'd been complaining about for weeks and he was able to take care of all of them. I said, so that's pretty interesting. You do one tapping session and life is better. And he's like, oh, it, tapping had nothing to do with it. I had it under control the whole time. <laughs> yeah. But that's the belief. So a word you used I, about your husband was he was very oh, reluctant. Yes. And why are so many people, whether it's reluctant or resistant, to that need to want to be right and to hold in that anger and the frustration and all the negative emotions, maybe not cognizant and realize, realizing that, oh, that's what's creating all my problems in life. Well, the reason for that, Heather, is because we spend 85% of our day, of our time, of our life doing what we already know. They say there are two things that frustrate people. One is change and the other thing is everything stays the same. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you think about it changes right exactly and people are resistant to change because you know when they say better the devil you know uh and so trying you know you really have to push a little bit 
to do something different. And here's the thing. We only like change that we originate. Like we will change our underwear because we decided to do it. But if we opened up our underwear drawer and somebody else put in all these other kinds of underwear styles that we never wear, why that's outrageous, right? It's when we feel like we have control. And it goes back to those three triggers that Dr. Hans Seeley talked about that cause stress. One is uncertainty. One is lack of information, or in our case and today, an overload of information. And the third one yeah. is loss of control. When we feel like we're not in control, you know, we, we, we just want to give up. And in today's world, with what we've been going on, people are feeling all three stressors right now. Well, yeah, and stress being through the roof, that leads to the, the quote, lack yeah. of immunity or the, the chronic right. illnesses. And, but, and everybody wants to go to the doctor to get a pill to put a Band-Aid on a symptom of a deep root. Don't get me started. <laughs> right there with you, Heather. But so... Yeah. If this is, you know, if this is all true, which we've all experienced it, if we now understand these three triggers to our stress, uncertainty, lack of information or overload and loss of control. Now that we are aware of these three triggers, how can we, so my whole thing is we can only focus on the controllables and the only controllables we have are within. So what advice would you give to somebody that realizes, wow, these are going to be triggers to my stress. How can I keep calm? Well, of course, I'm going to suggest tapping. But in addition to that, I would suggest what's the opposite? When I think about uncertainty, what am I certain of? I am certain of my name. I'm certain of my penmanship. And like many other people in your listening audience, I'm certain I'm the best driver on the road right now. All the rest of them don't have any idea what they're doing, but I'm the best driver. <laughs> 96% of the population believe that they're a better driver than anyone else, which is pretty hysterical because, you know, that's more than the majority. And so yeah. focusing on what are we certain of instead of focusing on the uncertainty. Um, the lot, lack of information. That was so prevalent, right? Especially in the last few months. Do I believe that person? Do I believe that person? Do I believe that TV show? What about that TV show? I read something over here. What, what do I believe? Well, again, go back to what information do I know is true? I know what my beliefs are. I know, I know who I love. I know who loves me. I know, I know there's certain things that I know are true. And so Focusing in on the information that I know is true. That goes along the line with uncertainty. You know, it, there's too much. I don't know. You know, should I plan to go back to my high school reunion? Should I plan to go visit my sister? Should, can, I, can I plan to do this? Well, all of those things may be uncertain, but what am I certain of today? I'm certain of today that I'm going to go and luckily sleep in my own bed in my own house. And how blessed am I to do that? I'm certain that I will have enough food to eat. How blessed am I to do that? So focusing in on what is the opposite of those three things is going to help relieve your stress and actually might bring you into something that they call eustress, E-U-S-T-R-E-S-S, which is joy and love and the positive on our emotions uh, spiral, the positive uplifting uh, uh, emotions. And that's what we want to go for. I feel like 
the overarching message is to realize the power of our thoughts. Oh, yeah. Is that clear? Oh, yeah. Well, here's the thing. We have limiting beliefs, right? Um, for instance, if, if you bought a new car or a car that's new to you and you're driving down the road and you're like, well, there's my car and there's my car and there's my car. And you're finding out that everybody else in town bought the same car that you did. So you have a belief and you can call it a limiting belief if you want. And then you find things that support your limiting belief. For instance, if you're scared of spiders. So if that's a limiting belief, you may read a story about a spider that caused a serious wound in somebody. Well, my goodness, that's that supports your belief. So you may you may find a spider that's in your house that you didn't know about. That's a limiting that supports you. So there's all these things that happen that support your belief. And what tapping does is we start at the most recent one, you know, yesterday when I, I was frustrated with my romantic partner and we eliminate it and then we keep eliminating it until your limiting belief goes away, which by the way, when you think about the frustration with your romantic partner from zero to six, where's your frustration now? Well, my chest is way more lightened up. Um... I might have almost cut it in half. So maybe okay. around a three. And actually you can continue doing the tapping rounds, repeating almost the same words that we did, and it will go to a zero. And here's the part that's crazy, Heather, is that whatever triggered that particular aspect of that frustration, it will not come back. And the thing of it is, once we can control our emotions, then our cognitive, our prefrontal cortex can think. We cannot think when our amygdala takes over. I'll give you an example. If you hear something sad, you know, if a, a dear pet passes or a friend is ill or, you know, you hear about the things with COVID, doing the dishes just seems overwhelming. You know, getting in the car and going someplace is just too much because you have all this negative emotion with you. Conversely, if you hear some good news, like, Wow, I can't believe my friend just won the lottery. Oh, I hope we're better friends than I thought we were. <laughs> you know, what, what kind of good news do you have? And it's like, oh my gosh, I'm going to hurry up and do the dishes. Or I feel good about going places. So our emotions can actually control our actions. So here's the thing. Our limited beliefs can control our thoughts. Our thoughts create our words. Our words dictate our actions and our actions contribute to our next belief. So it actually becomes a little cycle. So if you're happy with where you are, you just maintain that cycle. If you want to change, you've got to interrupt it at some place and change it. You can change your actions, which are hard to do because we're on automatic so much. You can change your words, which are really hard to do because you know, you're just used to talking without thinking because that's what we do mostly all day long. Changing your thoughts, though. You can stop and meditate. You can listen to other people. You can read. Um, there are things you can do to change your thought. But more importantly, when you can change your limiting belief, wow. Because changing your limiting belief will change your thoughts, which will change your words, which will change your actions, so that you're not in that cycle that you didn't want to be in. And something I've heard Abraham Hicks say time and time again is beliefs are just thoughts right. you keep thinking. And for those listening, this is something I've talked about before. I call it a thought cycle. And mine's a little more simplified, but it's just four steps. So if you're currently sitting in results 
that you're unhappy with your health, your finances, relationships, it doesn't matter this in the area, but if you don't have the results you want, go back to, well, what yeah. actions or inactions aren't you taking, but what emotions created the, but ultimately mm -hmm. it was thoughts that right. started it all. So thoughts, emotions, yeah. actions, results. You're so. absolutely right. And if you don't interrupt that cycle, that cycle just can maintains. But for somebody who is on mm -hmm. autopilot, who is just going through life's motions, how do you become aware to catch yourself, to interrupt, to make change? It only happens when you hit rock bottom. But, okay, on that note, I hear you. I know what you're saying. But can't we learn and observe from others mm -hmm. so we don't have to hit yeah, rock bottom? Yeah, we can. Bottom? And, and that usually happens when someone we know and love hits rock bottom. If it's, if it's, so we're observing. Yeah, if it's somebody yeah. over there that is starving or, or doesn't have, you know, something that we want or need, they're so far removed from us. So it has to, we have to experience it one way or the other, either personally or from people we know and love. I mean, you, you've heard, you've heard of, of people who have had serious illness um, and, and because friends or, or people have had that serious illness, they've changed their behavior, right? Yeah. yeah. But that's, that, that behavior has been going on all over the world everywhere else, and it hadn't changed them. And so it has to be something that impacts you personally. I would love for you to share a little bit about your book, Shower Blessings, <laughs> and then the acronym you shared with me about a lot. So... So Shower Blessings is a little book that I've written about finding meditation time in a busy life. I wrote it because I was having lunch with a friend one day and she was saying how she didn't have time to meditate. I said, I know I didn't have any time to meditate either. You know, being uh, a mom of uh, three kids within uh, within five years, having full time jobs, multi usually multiple jobs, being active and volunteering and everything. I said, and I figured out the only place that I was by myself for any period of time was in the shower. And so um, everything I've written in the book is our prayers, meditations, things that you can do in the shower. And one of the um, acronyms that I've come up with, in fact, it was given to me one time when I was driving from Florida to New Orleans, is it's really important to pray or meditate a lot. And the word a lot stands for A is to ask. If we don't ask, God, the spirits, universe, what you want to call it, doesn't really know what's in our heart. I mean, until we ask, uh, the example I give is, you know, I'm going to feed and water and take care and protect my children, just as God would do for me. But I had no idea they wanted a red wagon. Who would have thought that? So if I want a red wagon, I need to ask. I need to, to ask the universe. I, I know um, uh, I've always heard that it's important to write down what your requests are and to be as specific as possible. So about 20 years ago, I had written down that I wanted a house filled with flowers. And in my mind, I was thinking of vases of cut flowers in every room. Heather, my husband has bought nearly 200 orchids that are all over our house. And I was upset because I couldn't find my flowers anywhere until I, huh, I got an orchid blooming in every room. How, what do you think about that? 
So I had flowers in every room, but because I hadn't said cut flowers in a vase, which actually I'm loving the orchids, it's fabulous. It's a hobby of his, but to be very specific about what you write down. So asking and being specific about what you want is really important. The L in the word a lot is to listen. Sometimes we ask and then we walk away. And what if my kids ask for a red wagon and say, mommy, I want a red wagon. And then they turned away and I go, but I didn't have a chance to tell them what was going on. And how do you listen? You have to be quiet to be able to hear, don't you? You have to not be talking, not be thinking. You have to just be quiet and to absorb. And sometimes I ask for that red wagon. And what I hear is, you're going to get a blue Buick. I'm like, I don't want a blue Buick. I want a red wagon. And I'm like, no, you're going to get something bigger and better than you even asked for. I know what you're going to get. And, like, and so I argue, no, I want a red wagon. <laughs> which brings me to the letter O, which is obey. Whatever I hear, whatever I see, whatever I feel like is the answer for my listening, it's my responsibility to obey. And I tell a story in the book about having to obey a very difficult message that I received to give away a thousand dollars that I had no, I didn't have a thousand dollars and I had no intention of giving it away. And I ended up, well, you'll have to read the book to find out. And then at the end, and the end of it is regardless of what happens to always give thanks. There's another story in there about a car accident I had that sounded really awful, but at the end of it, it, it was, it was probably one of the most thankful things that ever happened. And I didn't know, I don't always know, right? Why to give thanks, but giving thanks makes a difference. Yeah. I love saying an attitude of gratitude. Oh yeah. Something that I would like to touch on um, before we get to the end here is that you shared with me on on this whole principle of asking for help, that we have free will. What does Mm -hmm. that mean? Oh, isn't that interesting that we were made perfect, but we could make choices. And so we can make choices. We can say that if we're a smoker, that we want to quit smoking, but then we can choose whether to quit smoking or to not quit smoking. So we have the ability to choose what we want to do next. And that kind of goes with our cycle, right? If we are in a cycle and we're unhappy, we get to choose whether to continue the cycle or to interrupt it and to create something different. But it's all about free will. And it's a confounding thing that we've been given, um, but it's very, very powerful. Yes, I love that because it's so true that we Mm -hmm. have choice. I love Mm -hmm. So I'd like to ask you, what is a key takeaway you want listeners to get on this conversation of stress and waffles and tapping and what's the overarching message? So there's two parts of it, Heather. One is that stress can damage you. Um, One is that stress can hurt you. And the second thing is you have a choice on how to handle stress. And tapping is one of many ways that you can eliminate stress from your life. I love that. I'd like to ask you a couple of rapid fire questions to wrap up the interview. Okay. First one being, what is a quote or motto that you live by? Mm, a quote or a motto that I live by. 
Um, there's a great one, and I, I have it on my other desk, but not here. And it was attributed to uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson about to have lived my life um, where children are laughing and there's a garden that's made and I'm butchering it completely. But that life is all about little bits of happiness. And I guess that's probably it. And to, to it's our job to find that happiness and to revel in it. I love that. It makes me think of like dropping confetti, just having little sparkles oh, every day. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. What is a book you're currently reading or highly recommend? So I'm reading about four books right now. I just got a book yesterday from one of my friends, uh, Leadership Lessons from the Pub by my friend Irvine Nugent. Um, I don't know if you've read uh, Little Soul in the Sun by um, Neil Donald Walsh. Um, I'm reading uh, Business Made Simple. Um by Donald Miller. And I'm becoming a Qigong instructor. So I'm reading a lot of Qigong books as well. That is a lot going. So <laughs> I've tried that and I cannot multi-read because I, I lose focus. So I have to go all in, but good for you. That's a lot of stuff. A lot of diverse things. <laughs> yes, for sure. I get bored easily. <laughs> Final question for you. What advice would you give your younger self? Um, it's gonna be okay. I had a uh, tumultuous childhood. Uh, we moved um, frequently. I went to 12 different schools in five different states. And I left home as a uh, high school junior and was homeless for a number of weeks until I was a foster child. And after um, my high school graduation where none of my relatives attended, the following day I flew out from Nebraska to San Diego and to attend college and ended up hitchhiking 20 miles in each direction to be able to, to go to college. Um, fast forward, I've been married almost 20, 48 years. Uh, I have earned my PhD and I'm still learning and I have a loving family that I'm very proud of. And it's gonna be okay. Yeah, it's going to be okay. Yeah, I love that. Dr. Katie, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much, Heather. I so appreciate all the good that you're bringing into the world. Thank you. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. Don't forget to subscribe and share this episode with your friends. I'd love to connect with you on the social platforms. You can add me on Instagram at heather.hakes or subscribe to my YouTube channel, Heather Hakes. I'll catch you on the next episode.